Welcome to the I Hate Critics Movie Review Podcast. I'm your co-host, Bob Zerrell. With me, as always, is professional film critic Sean Patrick and Jeff Lasseter. Visit us at IHateCritics.net, IHateCritics.com. Uh, we're on Facebook, Twitter, all the social media platforms, more or less. Our handle is Critics Pods. Follow us there. Subscribe to any of those pages. Uh, we're $4.99 on Facebook, so get us over 500 please. That'd be fun. Uh, you can listen to us on all the podcatchers, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Alexa, Spotify. Uh, subscribe to the show there, rate and review the show, especially on Apple Podcasts. We'll read your reviews on the air. Uh, and if we miss one, feel free to harass us online, and we'll make sure to catch it. <laughs> Patreon.com slash CriticsPod is the best way to support the podcast. Uh, we will be releasing Friday the 13th. Uh, commentary track for part one to our regular feed. Will you guys have a part two ready to go yet by then or no? Yes, yes. it is on Patreon. Uh, it's not up yet. Oh. The number two is not up yet. Oh. I'll, have it Friday, right? I'll have it Friday. I'll have it. Perfect. That'll be on Patreon along with some random music stuff that Sean and I did years ago uh, and hopefully more content as we go forward. Sean, where can people read your reviews? Uh, Geeks.media, horror.media, and the archive blog is seanathanmovies.blogspot.com. And Jeff, what do you got going on? Uh, You can access all my stuff at jefflassiter.com. My Etsy shop is uh, Jeff Lassiter Pop Cult, um, which is also my Instagram. So you can go find me there, buy some of my stuff, and make up for the fact that I'm traveling all the time this time of year for a bunch of conventions still coming up. So awesome. All right. Let's all the links are on our show notes as well. Uh, so if you forget them, just look at those and you'll be able to see where to get Sean and Jeff stuff. Uh, let's start with some Aquaman two news. Yeah, so there's a big article today in the uh, Hollywood Reporter uh, detailing some findings that have now come out. Uh, apparently some fans of uh, Johnny Depp decided that they wanted to see some more of the evidence in his case with Amber Heard, and apparently you can do that. Uh, so they were able to pay a fee and actually get the notes from her very own psychiatrist that were apparently sub- uh, apparently they were part of the case and they were part of the evidence. Uh, well, they've got them out there now. And uh, talks about how basically Jason Momoa, according to Amber Heard, tried to get her fired from the seat, tried to get her gone. Uh, apparently, during the whole mess that was going on, uh, they he has actually said to have Jason Momoa at some point, I don't know if it was on one or two, showed up on set drunk, dressed like Johnny Depp. I hunting <laughs> Amber Heard. That's what she told her psychiatrist. And uh, he's apparently been working to try and get her fired from this and indeed did apparently get her fired from the movie for a time until Elon Musk, who was dating Amber Heard at the time, <sighs> told Warner Brothers that he would burn them to the ground if they fired her. So they kept her. That's why she's in the sequel. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I don't believe any of that. I'm- I, I don't know what I mean, but is it, it's fucked up to 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 ask somebody to to 
be able to subpoena to, to pay a fee and you can read somebody's whatever they said to a psychiatrist. I mean, if I don't want anybody knowing what I've said to my psychiatrist, not that I've said anything that I would think is a lie, but like at the same time, it's supposed to be something that you can say to somebody that doesn't go anywhere. No one's supposed to know you said that. Yeah, I'm not happy I know that now. <laughs> I haven't watched the <laughs> Netflix documentary on it. That bugs me that that exists. Uh, that whole thing was just sad, and it sucked for, I mean, I don't know. You can have your side, I guess, but we shouldn't have been aware of every little thing that all the memes that came out of it, it was just all stupid, and no one won. There was no victory out of that. Uh the whole thing is just sad. You're right. You shouldn't be able to subpoena and then publish and so everybody can read what you write to your shrink. That's not cool. Yeah. I I don't like Amber Heard. I don't think that – I think both of them were at fault. I don't – you know, um, just based on what I've seen, I just – neither one of them are particularly good people. Um, that being said, it's disgusting and gross that people can access that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and I am of the mind that if Johnny Depp can get fired from whatever that Harry Potter movie was because of allegations that at the time were not proven true, uh, she could get fired from Aquaman too. Oh yeah, but so. uh, but yeah, yeah. If you have Elon Musk on your side, well, but Jesus Christ, that hers. makes it worse. Yeah, I don't. These are her words and. <laughs> You know, I'm not gonna. Well, apparently there. I mean, apparently we can read the letter that Elon Musk wrote to Warner Brothers. He's like, it's like three bad people, <laughs> and I and quite honestly, I don't think Johnny Depp is that bad of a guy. I think he's got some issues as far as substances and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think she's a particularly good person. If any of the stuff that came out in court is true, um, they you know they both. Well, he's disgusting. Yeah, he's got but, substance issues. She's got mental health issues, and Elon Musk's a super villain. Oh God, he's like <laughs> if Lex Luthor was uninteresting right. as a villain. Exactly. <laughs> oh God. But I mean, I don't. I don't. It's just I don't. But it isn't great that we're you know just over what uh, two months away from the release of Aquaman two, and this is what we're talking about. They've got time to try and turn this around, but honestly, I don't see them. I don't see them pulling out of it. I don't think they're going to make it. Uh, I think this is. I think this is pretty much. I don't know if I think. I mean, Momoa is already out. Like they've already said that he's not coming back as Aquaman. Like they're going to recast everybody that was ever involved with those. I guess. Uh, so. They've abandoned this project already. So maybe Warner Brothers doesn't care that it's going to just come out and, and die a death. Yeah, but it doesn't look good for anybody. She also no, said that really Juan refused to talk to her on the set. So again, that really makes for a great movie making when your co-star is showing up uh, with the intent of getting you fired and mocking your you know emotional pain and then you've got a director who won't speak to you. They both denied it. Uh, you know, The studio denied it on their behalf. Maybe it didn't happen. Maybe she made it up. I don't know. But it just all speaks to a terrible time on set and when you have no chemistry with your cast and you're dealing with a big superhero movie this is just not this just doesn't look good at all yeah and i'd heard i have no desire screening. to see it yeah i don't either i heard the test screening was a disaster too 
and I don't know. I honestly don't care. <laughs> you know, it's I. I mean, I care more about the, the sickening part of it, which I wish I didn't know any of that stuff, and it's sad that it yeah. exists. And uh, but what I mean, I don't know. I didn't pay attention we, to the trial when it happened. Can we use that week as another host week? Host pick week <laughs> for superhero movies or something? I I have to see it, so. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. We could just be like... <laughs> Sorry. We could just fill our schedule so we can't make it that week, Jeff, and then he has to like talk to Josh <laughs> or something. <laughs> It'll just be Sean by himself. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is the Exorcist themed week, but we'll go ahead and start with some of the other movies that came out. Uh, Sean, you want to start with a documentary called Mr. Organ? Mr. Organ is what he's, is the name of the man, but yes, uh, Mr. Organ is a documentary from uh, uh, David Ferrier, the guy who directed Tickled, and he's found himself uh, quite another unique subject. Uh, this is uh, again is a very odd story for him. He was just uh, doing his job as a journalist in New Zealand. He heard this unusual story about uh, what they call a clamper, a guy who goes around putting clamps on tires and uh, making people pay to take the clamp off. Uh, people were parking near this particular antique shop in a higher upper upper end area of New Zealand. And uh, this guy would come around and put a clamp on their car and keep them there until they paid him an exorbitant amount of money uh, to to leave. And so they told the news about it and the news came to report on it. And he comes to find that this guy, this who's this clamper is also a guy who's in the past been arrested for stealing a yacht and claims to have <laughs> royal lineage. He oh, claims God. Uh, this guy's got a weird, weird background. But even stranger is this man. Michael Organ is a psychopath this man is truly like but not like not like a like not like your obvious crazy person he's just one of those people who dominates people's lives he enters your life he destroys it and he leaves uh and they he had so many roommates that sat down for interviews with david ferrier telling him about how horrible this man is and all he did was just torture them psycho psychologically for the entire time that they knew him uh, and he starts to try and do that to Farrier. And we're watching it happen in the documentary where he's saying these things. He's very polite. And then he says something horrible. And then he's very polite. And then he says something horrible. And then he does a thing where he shows up to give Farrier something that he absolutely should not have. And it is deeply disturbing. I was fascinated by this documentary. It's one of the best documentaries I've seen in a long time. I don't want to spoil it for you. I won't tell you exactly what took place, but it gets inside your skin. And when you see the way that this ends, the way this man uses people is so disturbing because he hasn't necessarily killed anyone. But what he's <laughs> done to people is just devastating. And he likes to confess his crime directly Jesus. and how he does it and gets away with it is deeply disturbing is this out it is in major markets it's going to be uh, expanding in over this weekend and uh hopefully will soon be available yes uh because everybody needs to see this. 
Well, I just want to see before it gets spoiled. Yeah. Especially after watching Tickled. I mean, that was disturbing enough. <laughs> yeah, that's such a great documentary. Yeah, I feel like you're describing like the Pulp Fiction briefcase. <laughs> and, I, and only we're going to get to see what it is. And somehow I don't feel like we're going to be let down. I don't know if that's the proper phrase. Uh, I just it, just think of something in your life that if somebody showed up and gave it to you, you'd be disturbed by. And that's pretty much what this guy does. Uh, and and but it, it is disturbing. But then there's even more that that there ha- that's happening. That's uh, Ferrier is a it, God bless him. He was, I mean, emotionally abused right in front of our faces. I mean, if they made a feature, does he realize? Go ahead. I was just. Does he realize it? He seems to realize it. Yes, he does eventually seem to realize it as it's happening, but he can't really do much to stop it because he's in the middle of making a documentary about it. <laughs> is he, uh, you think there's any part of him that's like, oh my God, this is gold? <laughs> or is he really? No, I think, I think he's filled with regret about ever having, ever having met Michael Organ. So this is kind of like the grizzly man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if they ever made a feature length film like Jonah Hill could probably play the the psychopath <laughs> just based on what I've read uh, uh, yeah. wow see god damn it I want to watch it you have to kind of remind me about this show for yeah. the next couple of weeks be like we've seen I'll, uh, like Mr. I'll, definitely, I'll, out. I'll post it on the Facebook uh, a few times because I've got a review up that's on the Facebook that people can read. Yeah, that's probably the thing I'm most anticipated seeing right now. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. Oh. I've done my job. <laughs> <laughs> totally killer. Did you see this one, Sean? I, I've got a half an hour left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how does it end? Well, do you, <laughs> no, you gotta you gotta watch it. It was, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Um, everybody in my little scream group was talking about it over the weekend, and I was in BFE in Indiana for the uh, um, drive-in massacre, which was amazing and so much fun. And if you get the chance to go next year, absolutely go. Uh, I am. <laughs> I'm already looking forward to next year. It was just, it was a ton of fun, but um, everybody was talking about it. I finally got the chance to see it last night. I was like, I need a break from one of the many different versions of every different exorcist movie. (laughs) Um, And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch this. And I, I stand by my statement that Kieran and Shipka is one of the best actresses working today. Um, now this was not necessarily her greatest performance, but I totally bought her. I, I liked the fish out of water of the whole thing. Um, it was, it was easy. It wasn't forced. It was like, she realized what was going on and she was like, Hey, have you guys seen 
Back to the Future. <laughs> nah, nah, I'm not really. That's not really my type of movie. Well, I'm living it, and I, you know, you should watch it so that I can, so that you realize what's happening here. And they're just like, yeah. And just the her delivery on some of that was gold. Um, I the particularly the cast from the past was everybody in it was spot on. It was not one of those eighties movies where it seems really forced. Uh, it was most of the musical choices were of the time, not, you know, Oh well, no, that movie came out in 1989, not 1987. <laughs> um, and it, and they weren't the, uh, the eighties looks weren't the, stereotypical oh my god we got to do an 80s movie so everybody will be wearing neon and uh you know they, they looked like they were in the 80s that i lived through not the 80s that stereotype <laughs> yeah that everybody thinks it is based on the uh like the 80s b- based on days. the movies <laughs> right yeah you know like if you go to spirit halloween and you're like oh i'm gonna dress like like the eighties, everything is neon and that's just not the way it was. Um, but yeah, I, I recommend it. It was cute. It was fun. Um, again, Karen Shipka, I, I had just finished watching uh, feud again with, um, about Betty and Joan and whatever happened to baby Jane. And she plays Betty, Betty Davis's daughter in that. And I was just, I just constantly was like, oh my God, she's just, she's perfect, you know? And she's much better looking than the real BD Hyman, by the way. Um, But she's just such a good actor. And seeing her in Mad Men and then seeing her in Feud and Sabrina and now this, I just want to see her in everything. She's like, I want to, I want her and Francis, Francis, oh my God. What am I even thinking? Florence Pugh. I want her. I want them to do a movie together. I will not. I will not be able to not watch it. So. Yeah. No. I. I, I don't think it's quite as good as Happy Death Day, but I do think it's in the same ballpark. Uh, yeah. It's. I'm surprised it was a streaming movie because I, I think it does have a mass appeal to it. It's very watchable. Yeah. Um, I- and I I really liked what they did with the victims, how you feel sorry for them, but the twist they pulled to kind of get you to the end, which I don't want to say because Sean hasn't finished it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I thought that was pretty, you know, it was kind of throwaway, but at the same time it was there enough there that you kind of like, that's kind of neat. They don't normally do it like that. Uh, I don't know. It, it was just a completely watchable <laughs> fun horror movie um sean have have you seen the final girls no that was a movie that came out a few years ago that uh the mom was an actress in in like a friday the 13th type of movie and uh the daughter got sucked into the movie and a lot of people are comparing it to but they're really not uh, it's two completely different premises you know, one is time travel and one is weird time suck. So, um, this is uh, directed by Nanachka Khan, who did uh, Always Be My Maybe, which is a tremendous 
uh, comedy that was on Netflix, and everybody should see that. She also did oh, yeah. uh, a number of really great uh, TV shows that uh, were unfortunately short-lived. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Nanachika Khan. How are you liking it so, so far? Yeah. <laughs> it's really good, yeah. <laughs> it's really enjoyable. Yeah, no. and it's it's. Oh, go ahead. Well, I'll just say it's really competent, very watchable, and it's something. And even if you're not a huge horror fan, it's something you could get into. Yeah, it's a good um, like entry level. Yeah, or uh, you know, especially for like teens, and then even people who are nostalgic about the '80s or liked stuff like back to the future, that kind of stuff. I think that, um, it's probably one that I'll continue to watch as long, as long as it's streaming, I'll probably watch it once a year. It was fun. So. Couldn't agree more. My wife got me to watch it. Cause I don't, I, just, I we used to watch modern family and I was, I always liked Julie Bowen and that was oh, how she yeah. got me into it. <laughs> she ties right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoilers. <laughs> Not really. Uh anything else on Totally Killer? It's totally killer. Yeah. I don't think jo- you're gonna come away from it, Sean, pissed off at the ending. <laughs> Not that yep. you're gonna love it anymore. I think you're gonna be probably a nice like it as much as you do so far. I don't think it's gonna get any better or worse, but uh I don't think it will disappoint. And pause the credits as they do the updates on it. Just pause the credits because some of them are pretty funny. <laughs> All right. Time for The Exorcist. Yes. Uh, where do you want to start? Start with the new one. Unless you want to start at the beginning. Or Dominion. <laughs> <laughs> well, this the new one, Believer, is the the new sequel, right? The new part two. Just yeah. Like, so he, okay. It, it, Her- Heretic is still in the, in the canon. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily, even though everybody seems to try to forget that with, um, three and this one, it still could be there. Do they so reference it at all? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but they don't not ref. you know, they don't, they don't say, they don't oh, not mention heretic. It. He's, tr- he's a heretic denier, Jeff. <laughs> as <laughs> as he probably should be, because that movie is ass. <laughs> Bob, you're being a heretic. Yes. <laughs> my heretic anthem. Uh, Exorcist believer, uh, David Gordon Green, uh, the uh, guy who ruined Halloween movies. <laughs> They were easy. I mean, they were already pretty pretty well ruined. He just kind of shoved them off a cliff. Uh, Fucked (laughs) their corpse in the ass. (laughs) Picks up the story here uh, today, I guess, in our time, uh, where two little girls go off in the woods. Uh, One of them has lost their mother, and they want to use. They want to try and see if they can contact her, uh, and they end up getting. and, you know, taken over, possessed by the devil. Both of them do. Um, Leslie Odom Jr. from Hamilton is the father of one. Uh, then um, I think the one of the is that one of the Dixie chicks who's the mom of the other one? <laughs> <laughs> no, but she looks like it. She looks like it. Uh, <laughs> uh, they 
Yeah, that's what happens. They both get possessed. So somebody gets the idea to call in uh, Chris McNeil from the from the original Exorcist because she's written a book about every form of exorcism ever. She's been obsessed <laughs> since her daughter got uh, got possessed herself, and uh, the demon is the same one, I guess, because she knows who Chris McNeil is, or maybe the demons just talk to each other. Who cares? Um, <laughs> In the demon waiting room. This movie is just not good. It's not terrible. I mean, I think I think Green is a is a director who is capable of putting things in a proper framing. Um, he he's competent. He's you know, but this is just not a story worth telling. There just isn't anything here. Ellen Burstyn basically has said that she just wanted to get a scholarship for for the school that she runs uh, for actors. You know, she wanted to get a, a scholarship for actors, and so she that's what she got. Uh, and, and that's all the only reason why she's here and she's out of here as quickly as possible. You can tell they shot her scenes in a single day <laughs> in the same to like maybe two locations. Oh, really? <laughs> she's, wow. She's out the door. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she shows up, gets stabbed in the eyes and she's peace out. <laughs> she doesn't die. She's not dead. She's not dead. Um, cause they will drag her corpse back up for another one. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't hate this. I mean, I don't, I don't care mostly that just, it just didn't do anything for me. I don't find there to be anything interesting about the, the why did, de- why did demons want to take over little kids? What is that about? What does that get you? Also, like, I mean, I, I have a theory that we'll talk about when we talk about the original where. Yeah, it's just about profaning the innocent, and there's nothing really even all that profane here because they can't because they don't want to offend anybody. So, I don't. But know. goes to show that you couldn't make The Exorcist today. <laughs> you have to make this instead. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. Cancel culture is right. I'm a right wing Republican now. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if you if you tried to release The Exorcist as it was cut today, the MPAA would give it an X rating. I mean, they probably should have done that at the time. Well, but, but you know what I'm saying? It's like it. They have to soften it because, well, that and the fact that Jason Blue made it, you know, they with have, they didn't have to soften it. They chose to because that's the more commercial choice. Well, that's what, yeah. I mean, tomato, they had a soft so they could get people to watch it. <laughs> I think that's what he's trying to say. We're saying the same thing. He's, he's not saying that they had to, but I don't, you're right. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I love what William Friedkin said. I don't even know if he actually said it, but I sent you guys a couple of weeks ago. Uh, apparently, he said this before he died. The guy who made those new Halloween sequels is about to make one to my movie, The Exorcist. That's right. My signature film was about to be extended by a man who made Pineapple Express. I don't want to be around when that happens, but if there's a spirit world and I come back, I plan to possess David Gordon Green and make his life a living hell. That could be totally <laughs> made up, but I think it's hilarious. And I hope it's it not. sounds made up, but hilarious. I hope it's not. <laughs> uh. It was fine. Okay, I I heard from a couple of test screenings and oh my god this is the worst movie ever and everybody involved should be taken out and drawn and quartered um and 
it was not bad. It wasn't, it was competently acted most of the time. Uh, directing is David Gordon Green is not a director. He is basically, he's like a high school he's director assistant. Yeah. He's well, yeah. And he, and he, but he's not even good at that. I think he's just, he's fine. He's not doing anything spectacular. There's no real like cool shots. Like in the, in the original exorcist when, you know, that dresser is coming at Chris McNeil and the, there's nothing inspired about his directing in anything, not the Halloween movies, not this. Uh, he said that he's possibly not going to direct the next two. And to which I say, bravo. Um, I just, he's uninspired, but I think the cast, even, even Ellen Burson, who said she pulled a Betsy Palmer and said, I basically did it for the paycheck. And, you know, it's, I, I have a glorified cameo in it. Even she is not a bad in it. Um, the the spoiler ending, which is spoiled by IMDb, if you look it up, the person who's listed first in the cast is, well, Reagan McNeil. Um, hers is definitely just a cameo, but it's like I would I would rather have seen them dealing with each other and the fallout and one of the uh, plot suggestions for exorcist three was Reagan giving birth to possessed twins, um, <laughs> which would have been funny, but I, you know, it would, it would have been maybe a generational thing where Reagan's daughter or son is possessed. I don't know. I just, it didn't make any sense that they went into the, to the woods and just came back with Pazuzu attached to both of them. <laughs> Why not? Well, A, because <laughs> demons aren't real. <laughs> B, what was he like? If, are they like a timeshare demon or what? According to film critic Ed Whitfield, uh, what that was, he's the one who claimed William Friedkin said all that. So I don't know that guy's reputation, but uh, it, I don't know. He said that William Freakin hated this idea. I mean, I don't, I don't see the need to make any more of these. I don't <laughs> see the need to make. I mean, even like movies like The Conjuring face an uphill battle because of The Exorcist. You know, it already exists. You're not going to top it. And then when you're going to make a movie called Exorcist, uh, the only way you could do it is if you're doing it for money and. <laughs> that right away throws me off oh yeah it's a cash grab there's there's no, no doubt about that there's no there's no soul to this there's no uh nothing really this is just the he got an assignment from a movie studio to do a thing and he did a thing <laughs> well i think like we talked about before i think halloween 2018 was good enough uh it could have been a really good standalone movie but you know, we can't just do standalones anywhere anymore. Um, but so they probably said, Oh, you know what? He kind of revitalized it. They brought back Jamie Lee Curtis, who is the heart and soul of Halloween. Let's see if we can get Ellen Burstyn and uh, Linda Blair back. 
and we'll throw it his way because he's competent. Well, and then they did that before they com- they saw Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. <laughs> well, that's why he's not going to direct the next two. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Let's get Colin Trevorrow to do it. I think that'd be a great hey. show. <laughs> Ryan Johnson's Exorcist. Let's not. He can make other movies. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just... Ari Aster, why don't you do it? Yeah, I don't know. I don't need oh, it. God. Could you imagine Ari Aster's Exorcist? That thing would be the most profane thing in the entire world. Yeah, it's called Hereditary. <laughs> well, yeah, but... <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of exorcisms, uh, we watched uh, The Pope's Exorcist the other day, and it was fun. Mm-hmm. You know, we, Or a couple weeks ago. That was fun. Remember how much fun we thought that was? Yeah. Yeah, don't listen to the fucking book. Oh my God, this guy is blames everything on homosexuals and it's his autobiography. Everything is homosexuals and socialism and perverts. That's the problem with everything today. That's why people are possessed. So, I mean, he's right, but we don't need to hear about it. It's all us perverts. Uh, so that's what it is. We need to exercise you. We need to just the, the yes. power compels you to not be gay. <laughs> right, well, too late. <laughs> just for that, I'm going to go get buggered by a guy in a demon costume. <laughs> Put it on my OnlyFans. The only reason I, I love and remember the Pope's Exorcist is just Russell Crowe and his little scooter. Yeah. <laughs> It was just, it was fun, you know. Like this isn't fun. This is the only thing I had fun with in this movie was seeing um, Ellen Burstyn because I like her in anything. I like her on SVU, you know. But it's just I wish she did. I wish she had more money so she didn't have to do it. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I love the idea of what. Like Toby Hooper had, or like you did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, then he went a complete 180 with a campy movie. Even didn't the writer of the book do Exorcist Three? Yes, yes. Yeah, so the same Body. thing went went goofy with it and had fun, made it fun. Uh, you just you're not going to be able to touch what the first one was, and uh, why try? I know you. Yeah, you know. Well, the IP that we can. Uh, I know. That we can about, we can tell stockholders about, and you know, we can tell them that we've got this well-known IP that is going to uh, return our investment uh, on a three three times scale. <laughs> That's just not fun to talk about. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Fun to talk about. Well, you know what though? I mean, if this was a good movie, we wouldn't even be con- we wouldn't even be concentrating on the fact that it's just an old, boring IP that's been done to death. We'd be like, wow, this was a really good movie. Like, remember um, the 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 conversation around Halloween H2O was fun. Everybody liked it. It was slick. It was fun. It was updated for the 90s. Laurie was a badass. And now we're, ta- we're having a conversation about Halloween as an IP, The Exorcist as an IP, and we're not talking about them as movies really anymore. But even like H2O, and I mean, you can throw in Freddy versus Jason too. They're 
It's almost a different feel. It's kind of like Exorcist 3. It's a different feel than what originally Halloween was. So that's why yeah. it worked. Uh, and you could have done that here, I guess. But we already have it with Exorcist 3 now. Uh, I, I don't know. It. I, I don't think you can make a good movie, like a serious good movie, like a good dr- horror drama like the first one. You would have to pivot and do a different a different theme, a different tone in order to really make it. You'd have to catch audiences off guard, and I don't know how you would do that straight up. And if you try to take it straight up, you get what you got, you know, a movie that exists. Well, again, and I'm going to go back to the TV show that they did a legacy sequel to the original movie, and it was really good. <laughs> it was a TV show, you know? It was so good we all heard about it. <laughs> Um, and maybe that's why it is good because it was it wasn't trying to make money and get tons of recognition it was just a passion project and it did a good job i honestly can't comment on it because i haven't seen it uh but that makes sense uh if you want to make something good or do you want to make money there's you know they don't always go hand in hand you gotta care and they don't care like the, the people who made this movie don't care. Uh, they didn't care that Ellen Burstyn just wanted to pick up a paycheck. They didn't care uh, that uh, about anything. You know, getting a director who you know was deeply invested in this, and uh, they just wanted somebody who would do it. Well, <laughs> sadly, I, I, sadly, I think David Gordon Green cares. <laughs> and that, that, that almost says more about it than, uh, and it's not. In, in a fun way. I mean, it end, ends up just being a movie that exists, like you said. Needs a, maybe he needs a, a producer who cares. I don't think any of the producers of this movie gave a fuck. I think they were hired to do a job. and you know, it, It's like going to a convenience store every day. You just go in, you clean the place, you take the money, you put the product out, and you're done. That's what they approach this like. It's a convenience store of movies. You know, and, and Jason Bloom. He does fun, enjoyable stuff like Megan, and then he produces this, and it's just like this is like I picture him leaning back, closing his eyes, and just thinking about a swimming pool full of money. <laughs> you know, and with Megan, I think he was like, "Oh my God, I'm going to dress up like this girl and dance." And then he accidentally made a pool full of money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But you know, what I'm like, it's like I don't think that there was any anything but greed behind this movie. Uh, you know, there are some good performances. I, I, you know, Leslie Odom is really good in it. He seems like somebody who actually gives a shit, and he's can't figure out why nobody wants to help him until you know he figures part of it out. Um, and Dowd is good in it, but. I thought it was mighty convenient that she has to lead the exorcism because the priest says no, and then he comes back and immediately dies. It's like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, and I feel like they just wanted to give her that part. They wanted to beef up her part because she's such a good actor anyway. Um, you know, between Hereditary and The Handmaid's Tale, she's really turns it out. Um, but. You know, both little girls are fine, but they don't have a lot to do except stand there and look bored. Look like <laughs> look like yeah. They have to, they have well, yeah, the, the little white girl, she looked just like 
Linda Blair because she's got those chubby cheeks and you know I I just I was like okay I know why they picked her it wasn't because she's a great actress it was because she looks like Linda Blair did when she was 12 years old it's a weird there's this weird thing where like religion is such a big part of this but they they don't bother to cast any of the religious people in the movie with any kind of weight or gravitas like yeah. i mean no, yes fine but like the guys who are at, like the people who are actually the real they're like they have like what four priests in this like they're they kind of like four people trying to do this exorcism at the same time from four different denominations and yeah. it's like, none of them are interesting not a one of them stands out in any way and one of them just walks into the scene and everybody's like oh that guy's here that's great now we can win immediately dies just immediately yeah. killed like it's such a like do you do you want the religious aspect of this movie or do you not want it give me an actor give me somebody get a get an actor who i know who is supposed to be there and be as you know powerful and strong as the as the demon and you know like at the very least i can say that max von Sydow looks formidable against a demon like at, at the you, very least could you imagine if they got russell crowe to play father Worth? just came in? thinking <laughs> <laughs> but they would probably would have gotten vera from you gotta play the real elaine warren mm-hmm. <laughs> bring the pope's exorcist and and the conjuring universe into this <laughs> just tie all the movies with the word exorcist in it or exorcism in it to uh, one universe Emily Rose pops up. <laughs> I like Jennifer Carpenter, so I would, I yeah. would well, for that I, until they ruin it. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, all right. Let's start back at the beginning. What? 1973. Sure. Or do we want to go back even further? Beginning dominion or the exorcist. Come on. Uh, they all Chronological? Yeah, done deal. All right. Uh, uh, Dominion Let's... and Beginning are the same movie. Um, they yes. are. They were the same movie. They were just remade after one. Uh, Paul Schrader made a movie. Uh, a producer didn't like that movie. Uh, he commissioned then. Re- 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 what is his name? The director. Um, Rennie Harlan. Rennie Harlan. Thank you. To make another even shittier movie. <laughs> <laughs> then they put them both out. <laughs> it's very funny to me uh, how yeah. these the exact same movie telling the exact same story, and it, it is like watching a film class in a way because like Schrader actually knows how to direct, whereas Rennie Harlan is really bad at it. Uh, he gets a lot <laughs> of jobs, but he's a terrible director, and you can see compared to the work that Schrader does, just the, the just the construction of the movie is so much stronger under Schrader as opposed to under Rennie Harlan, who doesn't seem to care where, what the blocking is or what the, whether the editing choices make any sense. Like, he doesn't care. He's just, he's, he films it. He hands it off to some editor. Good luck to you. Uh, <laughs> Schrader cares and actually puts in the work and you can see it. He still doesn't make a great movie because he doesn't have a great idea, but he's still, he's uh, so much of a better director. And if you watch these two movies back to back, you can see like watching it's like a film school it's like watching a director who knows what he's doing versus a director who does not give a fuck 
Yeah. And Randy Harlan is good at set pieces. Um, like his Nightmare on Elm Street Part Four was, it was one of the better ones, but it was based on the set pieces, you know, based on the kills and how they all got set up. It wasn't based on, you know, him getting a performance out of an actor. <laughs> um, you know, where Paul Schrader's movie, while it was weird and it, you, you know, you could see where the seams were because the, uh, the studio basically gave him $35,000 to finish quote unquote, the movie. Um, that includes a lot of the special effects, which, literally look like video game effects all the hyenas walking around like they're both oh, God. They, they both look like that and ready harlan with a full budget still looked like that <laughs> yeah yeah but i just i i both of them had parts that were better than the other but not very many um you know i think paul schrader got a much better performance out of stellan skarsgård um Rennie harlan was just like do whatever the fuck you want i don't care I'm, I'm only here to do this big set piece with this kid at the end and um <laughs> although paul schrader's uh possessed demon was way more homoerotic <laughs> with that androgynous filipino the voice judge um like whose name i can't remember chris something or other uh Boy, that was like, I kept looking at it going, this is just some weird Annie Lennox 1980s stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, it was just, it was so bizarre. Yeah, at least. But neither of them are good. Uh, early on in the sh- podcast, I, like I always, like I know Paul Schrader wrote a bunch of classic movies, but he made the canyons, which I consider one of the worst movies ever made, if not the worst movie ever made. And, but then we went back and watched some of his stuff and he actually has some really fantastic movies. Uh, I have kind of grown to appreciate the fact that he's not afraid to fail. Like he'll, he'll take a big swing and miss. Hardcore. Um, yeah. Well, hardcore, he blamed on George C. Scott being an alcoholic. <laughs> uh, he, he said he wished he had that one to do over again. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, that said, he's tried to make an exorcist movie and that, I don't know why you would do that, but, uh, yeah, it is funny to put those back to back though. Cause Ronnie Harlan is at best a carpenter. At best. <laughs> he's, he's like a, an unlicensed carpenter. <laughs> right. Just a handyman. <laughs> hire he's like a, the guy you, you hire, hire when you've got a really low budget. He's rolling through the Home Depot parking lot. You see a guy with a with a truck and some and some tools. That's hiring Ready Harlan. <laughs> yeah, doesn't care They're how good he bad. does. He just gets paid to do it. <laughs> They're both bad, but he, beginning and Dominion are both bad, and they're not worth watching. I did it. Um, I didn't have to write about him this time because I've already got reviews on the archive blog about him so i'm not going to write about him again there's no need to dredge it up again the guy i believe his name is edward robinson is the direct is the producer and he's the one who just just drove this whole train straight into a wall uh he just he hated he hated schrader he didn't he thought the movie wasn't scary enough he thought it wasn't gory enough uh he kept pushing him to 
try and make it uh, gorier. Uh, Schrader wants to, you know, get into the characters and and do that. And you can see sort of the languorous beginning of of what Schrader is doing. You know, he's, he's taking his time. He's building the characters. He's building the story to where it's going. Uh, there aren't a lot of big scares early on. Uh, whereas Harlan goes immediately, <laughs> just patched <laughs> with with just dumbass crap. Uh, and tries to you know throw in a lot of bullshit all, all the way through. Right. I mean, I appreciate that Schrader wanted to try to do it. Friedkin did, but it just wasn't going to work. Uh, no, it's just a bad idea. Yeah. It was IP. They they were both all working with the. <laughs> well, yeah, but then they try to bring in an artist <laughs> to do IP, <laughs> and that never works. It sucks for everybody. Nobody wins when you do yeah. that. It's uh, true. All right. What's the next one? The first one. <laughs> the Exorcist, 1973, directed by William Friedkin, starring Linda Blair and Ellen Burstyn. Uh, an actress's daughter becomes uh, possessed by a demon. Uh, there's a priest who's in Iraq who somehow is connected to this demon. Uh, there's a Father Karras whose mom died. Who cares? I don't really know why that matters, but it does. Uh, she's possessed. They go and they throw water on her and then they fucking die because it's fucking useless because they're the most fucking useless exorcist ever. Why is it the, the exorcist movies? The heretic ended this way, too. Why do we end with punching? We punch demons like why did we do? Did they not do that at the end of why did we not do it? We should have just punched these girls over and over again. The two of them, their parents just start punching them and, and then the demon will go away. Um <laughs> I don't know. I, I just I'm I don't understand what anyone's point is. Like Father Marin, we spend like twelve minutes establishing him in a rock, finding the whatever he finds, the icon that looks like a dog or a dragon or what the fuck that is. Uh, that has abs that doesn't come back. We don't well, know that's that. <laughs> that icon is Pazuzu. Oh, is it? Really? And okay, cool. Uh is that mentioned in the movie? Because I watched it three times, three times trying to figure out what it is that anybody finds appealing about this. And I, that, that scene, I, I documented it in my review. Like, where, what is this? Where, what is this telling us? It doesn't really tell us anything. And then we're well, just out. And then this little girl uses a, 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 a Ouija board and gets possessed. And, and then it's so a whole I'm gonna, different movie. I'm going to defend it as I got it the very first time I watched it as a teenager that he sees this, he finds this little chunk of clay and it's the same face as the demon statue that he stands up against in the desert. And then you see when you go back and there, you know, you go through the whole thing with Reagan Kinderman, the, um, the cop when he's coming to visit Chris he finds that little, the same little piece of um, clay that Marin found in Iraq at the bottom of the stairs where Burke Dennings was killed. And then you hear, you know, when, when Father Marin finally gets to the house, he yells Marin, and you're, that's how you know that it's the there, same, that he's faced him before. There, yes, there are very vaguely alluded to the very very vaguely alluded to things that to try to connect these two things. But not I mean, it's just the nature of film, Sean. I don't know. You know you're the <laughs> critic, not me. 
<laughs> Jeff, do you want to redo this with a better tone? <laughs> Less dismissive. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Sean. <laughs> now I appreciate no, I, that you keep that. You know, you're not trying to make money. <laughs> the detective character is the single most useless character in the movie. Why is he here? What does he do? He again, everybody who is on the side of good is completely ineffectual. <laughs> they completely, they are just completely useless at their jobs. His connection to to uh, Father Karras is. He goes to him on the assumption that Karras is you know, both religious and a, and a psychiatrist, and that he thinks that the desecration of the church is somehow related to the death of the director. And he thinks a religious person did this in some sort of religious mania. So he goes to talk to Karras, who cannot tell him anything. First of all, if they told him in confession, he can't say it. And if he told him in a psychiatric setting, he can't say it. So what does the detective think he's going to get out of that conversation? And then he asks him on a date to a movie. Uh, and they make a joke about Groucho Marx and Othello. And I'm like, why is this here? What is what is the point of how does this move our story forward? It doesn't. It just stops the movie dead for five minutes so they can talk about movies. You want to take this one, Bob? Am I wrong? Where am I wrong about that? I, love that I just it, I. To me, it added it adds color to it, and it adds the fact that you know they're all collegial, and because that you know Georgetown is such a a Jesuit area, they have dealings with the police and the priests all the time. Uh, I think Kinderman knows what's going on. I think he's 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 sussed it out that it's the little girl did it. He's trying to he's trying to get from Karis what he believes and that that is that she is possessed by a demon and she did this to Burke Dennings. Um, it's, it's, it's to me, it's more of a drama with a lot of different parts. And then the third act is a horror movie. It's right. not, you know, it's not trying to be a horror movie up until that third act. There are horrific elements through the first two acts, but I, it, I respect that in, the, it is very close to the book. So when I say it's in the book, I it's usually something I've seen on screen. And, and there it is. And there it is. There, therein lies the problem. Uh, if you haven't done the reading, you, the movie isn't. No, the, no, 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 no. That's not I what I'm saying. I'm saying that, that true. you're bringing a whole lot to this from the book. I haven't read. No, the book. I didn't read the book until like five years ago. I'm saying that it is. The book is just like the mo- book and the movie are the same i mean there's not there's nothing that you don't the learn in a movie is an othello then he's not it was a joke i know it's, it wasn't he, a very funny joke but he's looking for he kinderman is he's just looking for some connection and i got that right away from lee j cop i got you know he's he's not somebody who i i i don't see him as a particularly not he, he's a lonely person and that comes across in his performance to me um you know the fact that he's he's embarrassed to ask for chris mcneil's autograph so he says it's for his daughter and then he's like he's embarrassed and like self-effacing about it he's just somebody who likes to get to know people he spent a lot of time talking to chris mcneil because he wanted to get to know her and he's trying to figure out what happened to burke dennings I think he knows. I think he knows going into it that 
there's, you know, once he talks to her, there's something that's just not quite right about the whole situation. And he's, he knows that she knows. And that's why he's trying to get close to everybody because he wants, he wants to be able to put the pieces together in his head. Whereas he's not, he's, I think he's having a hard time believing it, but he wants to believe. Right. I, I love how this, they, there's time for this movie to breathe and it just let things happen. They're not pretending like they do exorcisms every weekend. You know, it's something that's fairly rare and, uh, there's, they take their time in getting there because you don't, nobody just jumps to that conclusion from the jump street unless you're, you know, the Warrens, uh, <laughs> I get that, you know, especially getting into directors like Ari Aster and some other movies that maybe this one's a little on the overrated side, but that's just because it's widely considered the best horror movie of all time. But I still think it's phenomenal. And I love that it just takes a different approach than most movies we see today. I like that it breathes. I I like that that just, like uh, Jeff said, adds color. I think all that makes for a better movie than your standard horror movie. And that's what I like about it is that it's really a drama with horror elements rather than a horror movie. I think Lee J. Cobb's fantastic. I just think that the scene itself, these scenes that he's in tend to stop the movie and they really don't contribute anything to the story being told. And really what any, what is anyone's arc in this movie? Is there an arc of any kind? Does anyone have an arc? I don't think they do. I think the movie just uh, presents a lot of shit, and I don't think it all coheres. I don't necessarily think it's a bad movie. I just don't think it's a very good movie. I think in, in terms of the construction of a good movie, I just I feel like there's a lot of things, like a lot of set pieces, like a lot of pieces that are there that don't fully connect. Um, I, I'm probably... Uh, I came at this with a tone, I guess, of facetiousness, and, and I'm sure that puts you both off, but I'm saying that I'm still not, I'm, I don't feel like I'm, I'm, I feel very much like I'm being, I'm reading the movie as it is. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, I, I, I'm not put off. I don't, I, there's no way we're going to convince you to change your opinion or, or the other way around. Uh, I watched and this movie totally three cool. times this weekend, by the way. Three times. Three times this weekend I, to, try and, to try and find uh, to find the movie. Yeah, I, mean, so I, I mentioned that only because people are going to say, well, you came into this with a bad attitude. I watched it three <laughs> times. With a bad attitude. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was for laughs. <laughs> I, I gave it a chance. I gave it a proper airing. I just like art is subjective, obviously, and you don't. I don't. I don't feel like I need to justify why I love it um, and the stuff that I love about it. Uh, I do, like Bob said, I like that that the co the color of it. How people are just trying to figure everything out. Everybody in this movie is trying to figure something out, and the arcs in the movie are: I have lost my faith for. Karis, he lost his faith. Uh, especially, it, it gets hammered when his mom dies. Um, and, you know, they add in a little detail that he, you know, he he was embarrassed I think to call her, you know, when he when she got 
she went to that place. Why you put me in this place, Demi? And she like turns away from him. And the next time he, it, she's brought up, she died. And she was in her house for a couple days before they found her. And I think that says to him, you know, about him that he, he feels like a failure as a man because he couldn't save her. He didn't make enough money to, you know, make her life easier. Um, and at the end, when Reagan is, you know, she's possessed and she's, a, she's about to die, he realizes that he has the power to save somebody. Like he couldn't save his mom. And his arc is he saves her by inviting the demon into him and then jumping out the window to kill him and release the demon from the girl. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Marin, they, they, and it's a few dropped lines, how, you know, he, he's on a, he's basically an archeologist at this point. And he, but he's the only one who knows how to do an exorcism and he gets, you know, he faced off with a demon at the very beginning of the movie in Iraq. And he, he really he realized that the place that he was standing at was a dark place with the you know the dogs fighting and the guy looking at him with one eye you know it's just all that all that stuff said to him that you know okay i've faced off with these demons before and i it's i'm gonna have to do it again and then inevitably he's the one they call and it kills him i gotta say Uh, you're implying a great deal about about what's happening in Iraq because I don't see any of that in those scenes. I see a guy with one eye, but I don't see why that's demonic. I mean, the, I don't see why dogs fighting is is demonic. I don't see why a guy knocking over some rocks is demonic. Does it, where does he face off with a demon in Iraq? He's see- literally standing facing with the demon statue. That's what I'm talking about. Statue. He recognizes it. He sees the signs. That's what I'm trying to say. I got that from it. I the first not. time I saw the movie, so I did not get that at all. In watching it three times this weekend, I didn't. I, I saw a guy in a rock being an archaeologist and having a heart problem. Apparently, that's what I saw. And then he sees okay. a, then he sees a statue. There's nothing dialogue wise or action wise that that indicates that any of that has any importance. Uh, he found the thing that gives it importance. He sees the statue that gives it importance, but it tells us in watching the movie nothing. And I guess that's kind of what I like about it is that it's and I'm gonna I'm not good with words, so if I say something, I'm not trying to be offensive (laughs) or do it on your opinion because I I definitely respect what you're saying, and I I think what is so great about movies like this and this one in particular is i i do think it's a work of art but at the same time these type of movies either connect with you or they don't it's not a above you or beneath you it's it's just like when a piece of art connects with you you buy into it even more and when it doesn't it's just a bunch of gobbledygook on screen and i think that's really where we're at with with our opinion differences it's not so much that uh you know, it's not formulaic at all, which uh, is part of why some of the questions Sean's asking is there, it, there's no formula there, and that doesn't make it good or that, that's not why it's bad or why it's good. It, it's I, I just like that it's its own thing that either grabs onto you and you fall in love with it, or it just it exists because there are a lot of people that watch The Exorcist today and they just are like, this is why do people like this? And I 
understand that opinion and I don't think there's a you're better or worse for either one of the opinions. I just think it's a it's just one of those things where you're either you it grabs you or it doesn't. And maybe someday it will or maybe it never will. But it has nothing to do with I don't think you can I think you can dissect it the way Sean is but you're never gonna find it because there's it's either it, it, it's either for you or it's not. That's kinda how I feel about a movie like this and movies, a lot of his movies, even like the French connection, which, you know, we kind of tore apart when we watched it. But again, I I just think it's, it's more of, it's one man's vision or two men's vision, I guess, in this scenario that, you know, grabbed onto a lot of people, especially when it came out and clearly it grabbed me and Jeff and it did not grab Sean, but it has nothing to do with, you know, I, I don't think either one of us are wrong. It's just it's something that you, you've talked about in the past, Bob. I think that's, there's absolutely a role to be played here by the people who who made this movie a great deal more than it is to me growing up, like calling it the greatest horror movie of all time. You know, And same thing with the French Connection, people calling it, oh, this is the greatest car chase of all time right. and the greatest pop movie of all time. And then you watch it and you go, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, oh, no, know, I get that completely. Star Wars. Yeah. I've seen many, I've seen many, many scarier films than The Exorcist. And, and so watching it, uh, watching it by the, even by the time that I, I, I did see it for the first time, I, I had seen things. I've been told how amazing it is and how incredible it is. And I was just watching it going, mm, no, it's not for me. <laughs> I don't. I well, don't and that's see. fine. I don't, I, I don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm trying to say that wh- how I connected on it was, on, on, I, and I'm a, I'm a fucking atheist. I don't even believe in this stuff. But I thought the way it was laid out, for me visually, I got the I got the cues. Um, I got that you know at the end when when their Reagan has broken free of her uh, her bindings and she you know she's like she's like raising her arms and stuff. And then you see Pazuzu the statue the you know, the little clay thing that he found that was also found there. You see that in the background and you're like, okay, you know, it's all, it's the same demon that has been kind of following Marin, I guess his whole life. Um, I, I see stuff like that and that's what connects me to the movie. It's not the religious aspect. Um, it's part of it for me is also that they use real people in the priest parts, like actual priests. Um, uh, the lab technician was Paul Bateson, who was an actual lab te- technician who was one of William Friedkin's uh, references for cruising because he killed at least one person and probably several. Um, and then he found out after he was in The Exorcist. Uh, they, you know, for me, that's that's one of the things that makes it great to me is that it's it's as based in reality as a religious movie can be, um, especially a religious quote unquote horror movie. I think it's more of a, a family drama with horror, horror elements. The more I watch it and the older I get. Um, but yeah, I, I can see where if, if it doesn't connect with you, then it's just going to be, you're, you, you, you could, you could watch it a hundred times and not find the meaning that of somebody who it connects with finds. I mean, I would love to believe that if we'd never heard of this movie and we just discovered it on our own, that Sean would like it more. I don't know if that's a fact or not. Uh, but 
when you definitely throw in the fact that there are again what sean just said earlier is i get it because i've done it there's bands or movies or whatever that i i can't stand the fans so much that i don't like the art (laughs) you know we make the star wars jokes and all that but it's really just growing up hearing how great star wars is and then when i go and watch it as an adult i'm just like that's fine uh you know, because I'm, I'm never going to come at it with, you know, it's just I'm never going to be able to get over that mental hump that I that exists that I'm bothered by. And so I, I get that. And I don't think that's I don't think I'm wrong for having that opinion. I don't think Sean's wrong for his opinion. No, uh, not at it, all. It does make for a and, and quite frankly, it's kind of a punk rock decision because right now we could be he could be blowing the exorcist just because he's supposed to. And, you know, probably get more listens, but he's doing, he's sticking <laughs> to his guns and I, that's, you know, doing a more authentic podcast, which is what I appreciate about this conversation. No, I completely get it. Like, I don't like Rob Zombie movies. They don't, I don't, you know, they, I don't connect with them. I think that they are, they're just, they're just there. I just don't like them. And Everybody loves them. You know, I, I heard a hundred times this weekend, you got any House of a Thousand Corpse, Corpses stuff? Do you have any Rob Zombie stuff? I don't because it doesn't, I don't, I just don't connect with it. So I don't draw it. Um, so I get it. I totally get where you're coming from, Sean. I just, <laughs> I liked it and I connected with it. You just compared the exorcist to Rob Zombie. I'm so happy. <laughs> 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 that's the only way to to compare the, these two. And, uh, I'm, I'm all for it. What about the most Rob Zombie Exorcist movie, Exorcist Two: The Heretic? Oh God! <laughs> oh fuck you! That's, that's George Lucas movie right there. <laughs> Exorcist Two: The Heretic. Uh, what's that guy's name? That uh, drunk actor who plays the lead. I can't remember. Richard Burton. I just watched it this afternoon. Richard Burton. Uh, plays a guy who uh, it's, is investigating the death of Father Marin. Uh, he goes to New York to see and meet Reagan, and they use this device to go into her mind, and the demon takes them to Africa. This is really dumb. I mean, <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so, non- so much nonsense. Uh, Max Foncino came back for this to play a couple of scenes as Father Marin, and playing them in his actual age, did you know? That uh, at least Jeff and I are both older than Max von Sydow was when he played Father Marin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus, <sighs> I don't know. I'm older. I, I saw that meme the other day that showed like all the TV sitcom actors. Yeah, and there's only two of them that I am not as old as. Well, yeah, the Danny Glover being too old for this shit at forty always <laughs> yep. bugged me. I don't like being older than Archie Bunker. That bothers me. Thank you. Paul was on your bunker. Uh, he was. I believe he was. He was forty-eight when he when he started. All in the family. Oh, good. Yeah, I I'm, at, I'm, I'm younger than him still, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same age as Fred Sanford, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Who is constantly having heart attacks, literally every week. Yep. I'm coming for you, Elizabeth. <laughs> Anyway, uh, man, is this movie stupid? Uh, Linda Blair uh, is a terrible actress based off of this. (laughs) Just she she just can't do anything. Uh, This whole idea that that Pazuzu targets healers 
uh, it comes into the movie and why? Where does that go? Nowhere. Okay, cool. <laughs> apparently, apparently, we should watch the next Exorcist movie to to see if she's been a healer all this time, unable to heal her relationship with her mother, but still. Uh, well, <laughs> well, Chris wrote a book about her, so she was upset. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't tell the the when you see the locusts in this movie, it is so funny. It looks like a fifties sci fi movie, but it has the pretension uh-huh. of like a nineteen seventies art movie. <laughs> Those two things together, or like when James Earl Jones is in this movie and he's playing like a an African doctor who was rescued by Father Marin as a child, and he's now considered a healer. But he's also like when you see him in. Some flashbacks, he's dressed in full African garb and can turn into a leopard? <laughs> or was that a dream? <laughs> I don't know what parts are dreams and what parts are supposed to be real. Uh, because the movie is just that level dumb. And the, the, the talented people that they got to do this is just, it, it's bothersome. Like, they got a good director. They got, you know, Louise Fletcher in this movie coming off of uh, you know, coming off of uh, one, Cuckoo- one flew over the cuckoo's nest. John Borman directed this. He's not a bad director, right? John Borman. I don't think he's a bad director. I don't remember now, but <laughs> Deliverance. But he also directed Zardoz right before this. So I mean, which is, that? I mean, let's let's face it. Probably if I had to watch this or Zardoz, I'd probably pick Zardoz. <laughs> I mean, you have to blame Godfather Part Two for this movie. I think <laughs> that's why you got really good actors in it, and you know you had a really respected movie, and then you made this piece of shit that I don't even think's worthy of being fun. Bad. I know there's funny, fun parts about it, but not like more than anything, it's boring and disappointing. <laughs> If you get a good group of people together, it's good. Because like the first yeah, time I saw, so many I saw good. this, I saw this with the with a good group of people, and we riffed the entire movie, and it was fucking phenomenal. <laughs> I get that, but there's so many better movies to do that too than this. I mean, you can do it for sure. But. The only part of this movie that I enjoyed is when she's talking to young Dana Plato from Different Strokes, and she looks at her and. Dana Plato, with all the sincerity that she can muster, says, I'm autistic (laughs) and I don't talk like, you know, like that's literally the the way people saw people in 1978 that they just didn't talk. Um, But then the best line in almost any of these movies, Linda Blair goes, oh, well, I was possessed by a demon. And then Dana Plato... (laughs) Dana play those eyes get his biggest saucer. She goes, "Oh, it's okay. He's gone now." And the way she says it, I'm like, "Jesus Christ, is this repossessed?" It's so good. It's so good. Left so, so yeah. hard. That, that's so great. Oh, he's gone now. It's so it's okay. Yeah, but he wasn't gone. He was still there. I mean, why were the plates put- Who was he stabbing? I don't understand who. Who who's Burton stabbing at the end? Whose heart does he rip out? What is going on? I think okay, so all I could figure out is that Pazuzu manifested themselves because I, I mean they're like sometimes they're female, sometimes they're male. Um, 
possessed or presented themselves in his mind as as Reagan, but either possessed or super sexy ish for, you know, yeah. sexy as Linda Blair could be at that age. Uh-huh. Um, was she already on Coke then? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, how I, I, I don't know. But she at some point was physically. I think because I kept going back to my drawing. Well, I was because I just it was like oh my god this is so horrible and then it was and then Kitty Wynn who played Sharon from the first one who was back you kind of think that she they make it sound like she was possibly playing her for a while I don't know I just it's so confusing so confusing because like the 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 caretaker for Reagan that woman looks so much like Ellen Hurston from the first movie and then but she also kind of looks like Louise Fletcher there's a yeah. scene. It's such a badly edited scene where, like, Louise Fletcher is playing with her kids in the tub, and then the other girl comes out of a shower and answers a phone to be told that Reagan has gone missing. And I'm like, wait, who, wait, which one am I looking, what are we looking at here? That awful 70s haircut, those often 70s clothes, just kind of the Dorothy Hamill. Off of everybody. <laughs> it's really just so, it's so hilariously bad. Oh. <sighs> But it's damn memorable. <laughs> oh, I it's just I love it. so terrible. So the scene where they're where they're where they're superimposing whoever's dressed up as the demon because Linda Blair refused to do the makeup. Um, so bad. And they're they're superimposing possessed Reagan and mm-hmm. real Reagan with their hands over Marin's heart. And the demon is squeezing it, but Reagan's trying to caress it. I'm just like, oh my god, get me out of here! I'm so confused. It's so yeah. poorly edited and so poorly put together. You cannot honestly tell me what was going on in any scene. <laughs> yeah, you really got to see this with the like the the mystery science theater vibe. It's really the only way to watch this movie. Yes. Uh, Exorcist 3, uh, starring George C. Scott, directed by uh, William Peter Blatty, uh, the writer of the book and the writer of the original movie, uh, picks up the story without any of that. <laughs> just kind of holding <laughs> uh, He's just making his own possession movie. Um, I'm trying to recall this movie, and it's just slipping away from me. Something I think, I think we're supposed to believe that maybe Father Karras didn't die and is in a, is in a hospital. <laughs> but maybe it's also uh, a different guy who's a serial killer. Um, George C. Scott. I, there's a lot of good things about this movie. Like, there's a lot of really like Blatty comes up with some really cool looking stuff. Like, there's a scene where somebody's walking down a hallway and somebody's following them with a giant pair of fucking shears, and that is a uh-huh. great visual. That's terrific. I love that. Uh, that's everybody's favorite scene. That's awesome. It's great. Uh, the the. You know, I liked the relationship between George C. Scott and his best friend. I liked that they went to the movies together. It made sense here <laughs> for these two gold guys to have that relationship and that, and they they had a fun dynamic and it's established well bet- between those. Two. I'm side eyeing Sean. If I know you guys can't see this, but I'm side eyeing him now <laughs> uh, because that first scene just stops the movie dead, whereas this starts <laughs> that that relationship and builds upon it. So. Yeah, it makes more sense in this one. Uh, 
George C. Scott and, the, and his friend are really fun together. They have, they're having a good time. And they established very early on that they've had a long bond. And, uh, and so it makes sense that when he dies, you know, it's like really hurtful. George C. Scott's acting the fuck out of this. I mean, he's just acting every inch of this movie, and I appreciate that. I don't know if I find this to be a good movie or not, but I appreciate a lot of it. I think some of it is just fucking insane. Uh, just the, to to like a degree that doesn't belong in any movie, like the dream sequence. Patrick Patrick Ewing is an angel. Uh, what the Fabio? Fuck? Like why why is any of that here? I don't know. I I so there's a part of me that definitely holds back on thinking this is a this is a great movie. I remember having a great experience with it watching with Bob the other the first time, but I went back to it for the book I'm working on, and I didn't like it nearly as much. Uh, it's it's higher tier because only because this whole franchise sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch the director's cut or the theatrical cut? I have no idea. Did you watch it streaming somewhere? Uh, yeah, of course. Okay, you watch the theatrical cut, which is a lot different. Um, so William Peter Blatty, who wrote the book Legion that he based his screenplay on, um, he didn't. Th- it was never called Exorcist Three, and uh, basically his version doesn't have any Jason Patrick in, or um, <laughs> is it Jason Patrick. Yeah, I'm. Am I thinking of his son? Um, Jason Miller. Jason Patrick is the son uh, from the Lost Boys. Um, <laughs> no, literally. Uh, so Jason Miller wasn't in his version in the director's cut. It's just Brad Dourif and it's, there's no exorcism at the end with Nicole Williamson playing the exorcist. There's none of that. Uh, It's, it's more of a a character study of Kinderman with some thrilling elements like that, the the decapitation scene that that happens is still in it. It's still the best jump scare in the movie. Um, But it's, it's not as incoherent as the theatrical version. Um, I watched the theatrical version because I haven't watched that in 15 years. Um, so I watched that again just to see how it, you know, how it held up. And it is, it, it, it's pretty disjointed and a little wacky. So. So you think maybe yeah. we was, we saw the director's cut. No, you saw the you uh, if you unless you bought unless you watched it on Blu-ray from Screen Factory, if you streamed it anywhere, it's just the uh, the theatrical cut. Oh, so when we did like it, we saw the theatrical cut. Okay, now I don't remember. Yeah. I remember just having fun watching it. I did not go back and watch it again because I enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was. I just remember it being fun. That's all. Oh yeah, I think George C. Scott is. I mean, even though he's like acting super angry all the time and flying off the handle for literally no reason when he's just replying to somebody's question, <laughs> I, mean, I was like, why is he screaming? Uh, sorry for your levels, Bob. Um, but I think he's, he's got a natural rapport with um, uh, Father Dyer and he seems like he's questioning a lot more than he probably 
would be if he was Lee J. Cobb. Cause he, I always got the impression that Lee J. Cobb knew what was going on, but I feel like George C. Scott has no idea what's going on just so, by the way he's playing it. Right. <laughs> but I, I thought it was, it's even though, even the theatrical cut with Jason Miller is more enjoyable than either of the prequels and two. Now see, the, that's so confusing about the theatrical cut because there is a, it does make it seem as if Jason Miller is there in the version that we watched. Yeah. Well, because they wanted to have a star of the original comeback, like they had Linda Blair for two, mm-hmm. and they wanted to have somebody, and he. So the okay. theatrical cut. What's that? And then Jason Miller stuff is in the theatrical cut. Yes, but it's not in the director's cut. Okay. So you're in the director's cut. You're like, is he Karis reincarnated into this Brad Dourif's Gemini killer somehow via demons or whatever? Um, In this cut, it's pretty obvious that it's a manifestation of the demon that has possessed that possessed Karis right before he died and may have resurrected him or may have just like been a, a physical manifestation of the Gemini killer who also supposedly died. If that makes any sense, I it <laughs> barely makes any sense in the movie, but um, no, no, mean- <laughs> so the studio said we need somebody from the movie from the first one in this one, like we had Linda Blair and Kitty Wynn in the last one and Max von Sydow. Well, they weren't going to get Max von Sydow back after two. Um, and they barely got Jason Miller back. Uh, according to Brad Dourif, who played the Gemini killer, who's also the voice of Chucky and who is Oscar winner. Brad makes the Dourif. joke. Huh? Oscar winner, Brad Dourif. Yes. Uh, what's funny though, is he, he has a line where he's talking about how he, he seduces his victims and he goes, he's talking about little kids and he says it's child's play. And then they cut to the picture of the little redhead kid who looks like Chucky. So I thought that was pretty funny, but, um, according to Brad Dourif, Jason Miller was, had a wet brain from being a raging alcoholic and what that's the reason that they didn't want him in the movie or that uh, William Peter Blatty didn't want him in the movie because he couldn't memorize any of his lines. He, he, they didn't apparently use a lot of makeup on him. He just looked that way. Uh, and he died not too long after that um, in large part due to alcoholism. But Brad Dourif said he couldn't remember his lines. He, he, that's why he didn't have that many and that's why Brad Dourif was kept in the movie to give those long soliloquies and to talk about all the victims and things like that, because Jason Miller just couldn't do it. So. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for making it it's sad. A- <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make it sad. Jason Miller made it sad, <laughs> but it's, it's, um, it's, it's my second favorite. If I had to rank them all, it's my second favorite just because of the kind of over the top performances and William Peter Blatty for some reason is a better director than John Borman. <laughs> <laughs> John Borman's not that great. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, this is probably my favorite. 
Um, and then Exorcist 2. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I like this one. I like the first one. <laughs> I hate the second one. <clears throat> but it's not. I it, it mean, they should have stopped at the first movie. There shouldn't be any other Exorcist movies. Correct. Mm-hmm. Are there any other ones we have to talk about? <laughs> no, no, that's it. That's all there is. Demolition Man. <laughs> Demolition. Uh, what? How do the three seashells work? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. I'll bring that back again. That's all I can think about. I hate this movie. How? Uh, this it. is so much fun. It sucks. That's ball. <laughs> it's so. It's so dumb. It's just endlessly irritating from beginning to end. John Spartan. Use Melotones, so John Spartan. Fun. Shut the fuck up. So Shut much up. fun. Stop talking. You stop talking. <laughs> Wesley Snipes is having fun, but he's like in a, he's in another fucking universe. Uh, Stallone, you know, thinks he's cool, and he's just not. He's just not a cool guy. And he casts himself as like the coolest guy in the world, and just not. <laughs> not cool. He wants I, to be naked, so he make, writes oh that scene in the movie. Oh. Look at my body. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you see his taint. I'm not. I didn't want to, but I'm pretty sure that's what I saw. Uh, so, yeah. I'm pretty sure he has another act. movie where you can as well. <laughs> well, is that porno film? <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I think Demolition Man is bad, but we had a great time talking about it in the '93 podcast. I mean, it's not high art by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it's fun. We did dig into the three shell, three seashells thing, and yeah, there are a lot of implications to that. Like, he, I, apparently, in the future, they've eliminated hemorrhoids because there's no way <laughs> those three <laughs> seashells are going to work for anybody who's ever had hemorrhoids. I like so, chopsticks for your ass. I think it doesn't yeah. make any sense. They take two. Sp- Shells to spread the cheeks and the one in the middle to actually clean it out. I don't know. What? I've thought about this. For Do a people long have time. three hands in the future? No. They, it's like, I don't know. You're, you hold How do you them. Clean? You dump they're not them. disposable. Dude. They're, they're metal. What do you just walk out, walk out and take, take these shit cover seashells and go wash them off and put them back? Yes. <laughs> How is this an evolution? If you're going to evolve something, this is just a... Did you watch this three times as well to try to find out if it's any good? (laughs) You have a lot of questions. Note to screenwriters, though. If you're going to include shit in your movie, don't have it distract from everything else in the movie. Like, why in 36 years has music just gone away? Like, I would have think there are musicians who are still alive. I mean, if John Spartan's fellow police officers are still alive in the future... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> after all this happened, well, how did music go away? Why wasn't there a scene where Dennis Leary is listening to fucking Led Zeppelin just because, you know, he's the badass, you know, vill- the badass hero, anti-hero guy who lives underground eating rat burgers? Because Led uh, Zeppelin wasn't <laughs> licensing their music at that point. <laughs> and Taco, Bell's really a, Taco Bell's a five-star restaurant. It's- Which, again... Taco Bell and the Three Seashells is a good joke. I just don't think they were making that joke. Yes, they were. <laughs> well, they were. They knew it was a terrible movie. They knew it was fun. 
<laughs> I love Demolition Man. We had a lot of fun talking about it. That's for sure. <clears throat> All right. Next week, it is a host's pick show because we probably won't be able to get into Taylor Swift. <laughs> We're going to try. <laughs> we'll do our best. Yeah. Uh, but uh, are we going to also review uh, Pet Cemetery Bloodlines? Good fucking price, no. <laughs> uh, have you guys made your pick? I think I've made mine today. Oh, yeah, we, we've announced our picks to you, but I mean, you're keeping yours well, to yourself. I, guess, like your... I, I want you to announce it to the listeners so they know what to watch. Well, of course, we're going to announce them. <laughs> All right. So Sean picked popcorn. I've picked prom night two or whatever hello with hello mary lou prom night two i met the director this weekend by the way which is why i picked he's very talked, nice you talked about it last week that you're gonna smoke a lot of cigarettes inside that tent though wow. <laughs> uh, what um, i i've decided to go with the movie pieces have you guys seen that before maybe no no never heard of it the tagline is it's exactly what you think it is <laughs> it's um i i i i was kind of i was between that and the mutilator aka fall break uh of which they just made a mutilator 2 that has not quite been released yet um and this that was from the that original movie was from like 1984 and they just made a, another one so um you know how that <laughs> that tells you uh but if that comes out we'll talk about the mutilator i'm picking pieces it takes place at a boarding school and uh students are being basically ripped apart with a chainsaw uh it has christopher and linda day george in it from the all the 80s and 70s schlock fests uh the guy paul something paul schultz who played uh bluto in the in the popeye movie uh, it's got full frontal male nudity in the dark um and yeah it's it's certainly something so 1983 and unrated yep nice and it's available free on the roku channel even better even better exactly <laughs> be a fun week Popcorn. Popcorn is on Shutter. I've got a review, hopefully debuting Thursday, probably. So, part of my uh, I on project. I haven't watched that in probably forty years on VHS, and I just started it when uh, I was waiting to record tonight. So, looking forward to it. And I have no idea where Prom Night Two is. Uh, it's on Shutter as well. Sweet. I, I love this movie. It makes me laugh every time, so I'm excited to watch it again and, and laugh all over again. And in 1993, Sean might talk about Judgment Day. He hasn't made up his mind yet, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amy and MJ. Amy seemed to be leaning towards uh, Judgment Night. So Or Judgment Obviously. Night. They say day. <laughs> she said, I don't know. I uh, she said it has a killer soundtrack, so that's what uh, she was leaning towards. Cool. We'll see. Did Dave and Gordon Green make Mutilator 2? <laughs> no. Okay. Darn it. It's the original Bud Cooper. 
All right. I got to drop off, guys, but if you want to do flick chart, you two can hang out, but I got to go. All right. Up to you, Bob. We can do a couple. You want to run anything through it? Um, Is there anything? Let's do the exorcist. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, why not the exorcist? With <laughs> Sean not here. <laughs> 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 He'll literally pick Demolition Man over The Exorcist. <laughs> Two movies he hated. It's already ranked number 23. <laughs> oh. Well. The Exorcist Tales from the Dark Side. The movie? Yes. Uh, the Exorcist. Although Tales from the Dark Side is a really good one. Agreed. The Exorcist 21. Exorcist. Agreed. The Exorcist Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze. Sean would have <laughs> definitely gone with that. <laughs> I agree. Uh, no, The Exorcist. Yes. The Exorcist Silver Linings Playbook. I'm going to pick The Exorcist. As will I. I do like that movie a lot though yeah it's good i just would i would watch the exorcist more than i would watch that the exorcist or the shining oh um oh god that one is really 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 tough yes the exorcist i think i agree with you that's hard though we could probably run The Shining through this when we're done. Yeah. The Exorcist Rocky Three. The Exorcist. Yes. The Exorcist Dracula. Oh. Probably The Exorcist. Although Dracula is like right up there for I, me. I agree, but I th- I would go The Exorcist as well. The Exorcists are good fellas. Oh my God! The fact that they're play they put the the picture for Satan, which is the uh, Indian, I think, Exorcist. That's an awesome. That's poster. hilarious. <laughs> uh, I'm still picking The Exorcist over Goodfellas. That one's hard. They're all hard. Uh, let's see, do I have a quarter? I'll just go Exorcist. I don't. That's really tight. I mean, they're both. Yeah, they're both really good movies. I just since I prefer horror, I'd probably watch the Exorcist first. Uh, Exorcist or Bo is Afraid. Exorcist. I I liked Bo is Afraid, but. Watching it again, um, it it kind of fell off from the other two Ari Aster ones for me. I, I feel like Bo is Afraid is a, an ex, a one-time experience. Yeah. <laughs> While the yeah. other two have a rewatchability factor that they almost get better with every viewing. Yeah, I fell asleep to Hereditary in my hotel room the other night, and it was fine, wonderful. <laughs> Exorcist it is Exorcist Texas Chainsaw Massacre oh god I feel like Meryl Streep and Sophie's Choice um 
Ooh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I agree. I the experience watching that with Sean and getting him to kind of turn on. Not that he hated the movie, he just kind of yeah didn't care. Uh, I think that movie is phenomenal. We moved it up to six. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna be so pissed. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was fun. All right. Anything else before we wrap it up? I don't think so. I think I'm good. All I'll right. be talking to you from the road next week. So, all right. Well, looking forward to it. Can't wait to see these movies. <laughs> I'm gonna go watch popcorn now. All right. We'll have fun. All right. You too. See you next week. Bye. Bye.